Welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Uh, really excited about this episode. I have Ian Moyce, Sales Director at Natterbox in just outside of London, England. Ian, good morning. Uh, good uh, day to you there, Paul, and really pleased to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. You know, as I said, good morning. I actually should have said good afternoon because of the time zone difference. So welcome. Thanks <laughs> for being here. It is. Thank uh, you. Hey, listen, take a quick second here, if you would. Say hi to everybody and uh, a quick intro into who you are. Hey, sure. Yeah, and I'll keep it short because uh, what's interesting to me isn't, isn't necessarily to other people. Um, European Sales Director have been doing sales for about, uh, crikey, it's going to make me feel old, about 30 years now. Uh, lots of different roles. We may, we may get in or dig into that. Started as a programmer and uh, passionate about continuing to learn. I'm still learning today, still getting coaching and training and learning how the sales environment, the customer has changed and how we need to stay relevant. So uh, still enthused about sales as I was when I joined. Okay, good to hear. Well, listen, let's get into it then. You know, Your Intention Matters, that's the title of this podcast series. And it really stems from uh, everybody has a couple pivotal pivotal moments in their career and big decisions to make and nothing's really gifted to anybody. And and so if you're ready, uh, I look forward to you sharing your story. Sure. Yeah, okay. and I've, I've had I've had lots of pivots, I guess, around both the role and uh, also what I'm involved with selling. So I uh, keep it punchy and short, and you and you can sort of delve or ask where there may be value. So I started, you know, I got involved in computing, which is the sector that I'm in in, in selling is technology. When I first saw a Commodore PET, if anyone listening remembers those, uh, at the back of a classroom when I was at school, and I was hooked. So I did that for two years as a subject amongst all the other school subjects, left, went to college, did computing, totally embossed, focused, blinkered on being a programmer. I want to hit those keys, create some code that creates something that does something wondrous. And then had the opportunity to join IBM as a programmer and spent a few years with IBM as a programmer analyst in, on a number of key old technology platforms uh, that uh, today look very archaic in the technology world we live in. And... Uh, you know, that was that was the sort of job for life. You've got in, you've got what you wanted, could program in 10 languages. And then I saw salespeople out there at that time who, who didn't really, you know, didn't really understand the tech, didn't understand, weren't as knowledgeable as I, I was on the, on, the, on the facts, but were earning a lot more. Company cars, big phones, mobile phones of the size, size of a suitcase at the time. <laughs> but it was all the perks, right? And I was, I was ambitious and thought, well, how long is it going to take me here doing this to even get a company car and you can just walk straight into it. So I left and joined a small company who I'd never heard of and just had a job advertised and it was an inside sales role for a new division, Novell Netware Distribution, which was a hot product at that time and um, got the job. No, so, he... for, for whatever reasons they chose me with no sales background, maybe it's because of location or I was available or whatever, I was passionate. And I, I had a great opportunity over a number of years there to learn off field sales of, of three ambitious salespeople. And this is something I've always taken with me as a, as a learning of look at the people around you. No one's right necessarily perfect or right or wrong, but they've all had a different journey and have different things. One of them was very technical and used that as his mantra, as his value to customers that he knew what he was talking about. 
One of them was very much a street salesperson, didn't understand about technology, but absolutely knew how to do a deal and work with people and under listen and just pure sales, thoroughbred. The other one was Mr. Organized, beyond belief. Before sat-navs and all that, had all the maps in his car, compasses, CB radio, was using every bit of organizational skill. So one very organized, one disorganized, technically aware, and one very much what you'd see as a thoroughbred, pure wheeler dealer salesperson. And I saw good in all of them, right? So I, so I, I, they all had their goods and bads, but it gave me the opportunity to observe different skill sets and approaches and take a little nugget from each of how, how can I make myself better? What, can, what, what do they do? Oh, I could do a bit of that and that could make me a bit better and give me an opportunity. And after a year, I was promoted to field sales, made lots of mistakes in that because you never knew, but I'd, I'd stepped up. That was in selling through the channel, so not selling direct to customers, and then managed a little bit of a team and, and went through that sort of thing over the years, becoming a sales leader. So that was another pivot point, I guess, managing people from going to be, being, a, being a successful salesperson. How do you translate that into becoming a sales leader? And, and not what happens often is good salespeople become managers, leaders whatever, of teams and then fail because it's not what their core skill set is. And then my other pivot point is going from channel into I've been running direct sales teams now for about the past uh, 10 or so years. And a lot of it's been through a wanting to challenge myself to learn new skills, to round myself off and get new experience. Some of it's been based on what I've seen in the market and, try, and choosing to stay relevant. You know, I want to be selling a product or service that is the most relevant and is up and coming. Uh, and I want to be doing it in a, in a go-to-market way that is the most applicable to be as successful as possible, as quick as possible. You know, Ian, I'd love to chat with you real, real quick here. Uh, your decision to start with IBM, you, you hmm. become educated in computer programming and your, your comment about the Commodore and Pat uh, ring true to me because um, you know, I certainly remember them back in the 80s and yeah. Yeah, they were certainly the cat's meow back in the day and the floppy disk yeah. and so forth. So you're going down that path and then you land a job with, you know, one of the most respected companies in the world in terms of Big Blue, IBM. Uh, yeah. And I imagine that, you know, that could not have been the easiest of decisions for you to uh, leave the organization, uh, leave the the vertical that you were in to then go work for a company that maybe you'd never heard of before, by the way, in a sales job, which really wasn't in your path at all. So talk to me about that decision. Yeah, and I, and I was told not to do it. I remember a father had been in sales in a non-technical stuff, in a, more, in a very, you know, in, in the consumer world previously, and it's hard and you don't want to do that. And you've got a job for life at IBM sort of thing. And, you know, all, everything was against the decision I was making. Apart from the fact, and it wasn't, you weren't going to get handed a big pay rise on the move, right? Because I didn't have sales experience to justify it. But I could see the difference being that sales allowed you to write your own checkbook. Mm. You know, if you, and, and now that's proven true, you know, across my career, I look at it and think I've been very fortunate in the earnings I've been capable of, of making 
when you compare to professions such as lawyers who have to go and study for how many years and fund it themselves or pilots, the amount of training and expertise they have to have before they can even come in at a junior level, they can even start and tick a box that they've got the certification they need. Sales, what certification do you need apart from perhaps tenacity and a willingness and a want to learn? You don't need to know the product because you it's pretty transposable skill. You know, you, I, I'd, I'd say today I could go and sell cars or, or whatever if I chose to, and you'd learn some product knowledge, but it's just facts you're learning. Your sales methodology, your technique of engaging with people, listening, uh, understanding and matching needs, developing the need, etc., are totally transposable. And that's not true of many, many careers. Um, and could I have earned what I've earned over my career and continue to do so in doing something else with the um, education I had? No. So it gave me an opportunity and I, I saw that and thought, well, I have to start somewhere, but I can see what is possible and it's, it, it's in your own control. It's down to you to create yourself as a, and, and maintain yourself as a successful salesperson that customers choose to put money with. And the more they choose to do that, the more you earn. It, it's so you get your base salaries, etc., and, and the perks, whether it's a car or anything around it. But you know, it's up to you to determine your salary, not your employer. What, how successful do you want to be? And it, it, that's what attracted me: it, is you, you've got more control of your own destiny if you believe you can do it. And and it's not for everyone, right? Because that is a positive and a negative because the thing I, I think it highlights and I learned very quickly is in a programming role, you'd sort of get reviewed on your projects and delivery and, and you'd have your annuals review. Sales, you are judged all the time publicly by probably everyone in your company. How you're doing is a sales number against target that isn't hidden away. If you're something else in the business, you're not really doing your job. People might speculate, well, they're not working hard enough. But no one really knows how you're judged, you know, on the on the salary review, on the annual review, performance review, and all this stuff. It's confidential. Mm. Not in sales. How you're doing is up on a board. It's up on a screen. It's on a dashboard. It's in a CRM system for public consumption across the business. You're the top salesperson, guy or gal, or actually you haven't performed, but it's visible. And that's not for everyone. That you know, that's putting yourself out there. You're accountable. Very accountable. Well, that, that is so true. There are so many you know, top quality people that I've come across over the years and, uh, you know, working in that environment where it is so transparent, black and white, who's every, when, when you're in the world of sales, if you're having a great month or a great quarter, everybody knows it. And if you're struggling over that period of time, everybody knows it as well. And not everybody can handle that. And so if you take if you go back to when you first started your selling career, uh, any moments do you recall of regret or questioning your decision to actually give this a go or was IBM just in your rearview mirror and you were you were going forward and that was all there was to it well yeah it's interesting because I sort of hung on to a bit of the old because one of the benefit values I bought to the new business is I was trying to make because I knew programming coding I was looking at the systems we were using at that time and thinking well actually this is hindering me that I'm going slower and what I'm trying to do now because so I well what I was doing is evenings and weekends I was writing our own CRM system in effect. Salesforce didn't exist at that point. So, you know, the world was different. Yeah. So we had a coding package. So I wrote a system 
that would handle all the customer data and make my own job easier. So I was still at my hand in. So whilst I'd left IBM, I hadn't, it, it wasn't a total tipping point of, I haven't got my hand in coding anymore. So I was still doing it, but outside hours, and I was leveraging my knowledge and, and the experience I did have and the training I had had to try and make my new role easier. And not because anyone told me to do it, it was just, well, and, actually, and, and, and I had an affinity, I liked coding and programming, right? But there comes a point where you have to, so that, that, that's how I bridged it initially. I sort of kept my hand in until sales, I became more comfortable with sales, I guess, and realized you, I don't need to just keep dipping my hand in the coding stuff because I, I'm not going back. Well, well, good for you for making that decision, you know, and you've been able to sustain a, a longstanding career in a number of different roles. You, as you touched on, you've been on channel side, you're on direct side, you've been a managing director, sales director here and there. And, you know, Ian, one of the, uh, the reasons why I wanted you to be on this podcast is because, I, you know, for me personally, I think I have the best job in the world. I love being a sales trainer. I love being a speaker. I love being in front of the room and engaging with people. And but it's not for everybody. And so here you have built a career as a as a sales leader and somebody who's proven that you know the fundamentals of selling. But that doesn't always translate into your ability to or desire to want to be a speaker and a consultant. And so I know that you do that as well. And so. Uh, talk to me about yeah. your decision to to get into that uh, realm. How did that happen? Uh, did it fall on your lap? Did, did you create it? How did that happen? Uh, totally accidentally, Paul. And, and, and to give you a, a wider context, I do, I'm a social influencer for a number of large tech firms um, and blogging for them as well. Um, and I host round tables. And I get, so I get invited, fortunately, to be on lots of panels and do, and do this stuff. But did I reach out and go, oh, I bet I want to go and do that? No, it, it, it's a bit by accident, right? By speaking at an event for a company I work for about a product I knew, I realized, oh, actually, I'm, I'm comfortable standing up in front of people. And this is, this is another skill set to challenge yourself with. And the only way to do it, in my view, is to do it. You, mm. you can go on courses for speaking, but the only way to really get good at it is to, is to you know, get, get your hands dirty and do it. And then self-critique, what, what can I do better next time? Um, etc. Um, but through doing it, and I, I always say to people when I talk about personal branding and a lot of things and, and how you get into social influence is put yourself out there because I'd put myself out there. I'd volunteer to speak at events because it made me better. If, if, if I speak, get the opportunity to do something, I'm giving value to someone else. But by doing so, I, I hone my skills and get more experience to the point where you can charge for it, right? Initially, if you've never done it, it's where, where's your critique card you know where, where's your history of I'm, I'm, I've done this before I've got experience I've got value but I think the more you put out like doing things like this with you Paul going on a, on a, on a podcast is people may hear it and I've had lots of things where people have reached out and said can I connect to you because I listened to a podcast particularly interesting I, I, I'd love to connect and see what and shit and not for an agenda not trying to sell you anything but I'd, I'd like to follow your content or I'll follow you on Twitter um and I've had others reach out and say, I, I saw a blog you wrote. I'm just curious, could, would you do a blog for us? Mm. Would you do a guest blog for us? I like the style of it. Would you do one? So by putting yourself out there, the more you put yourself out and contribute back to the particular sector you're in, you become known, um, you build your personal brand for having knowledge and value to give back, the more people will ask you to do things. So it flips from then being all on your shoulders to, can we fly you to this event? Can we bring you? 
you know, but that I don't think you can just create that off the back and go, right, I'm available for paid speaking gigs, right? right Based right. on what I think you have to earn the right first and you have to give back. And that's why I always volunteer for doing podcasts when I'm invited to things like this, kindly pulled that, you know what, it, it gives some value back. I, and also I learn from people that reach out to me. I'm learning all the time from if I go to an event and I hear people speak. And even if I'm done many, many years of stuff and I listen to them and I go, well, most of that I knew, but there was two ideas in that hour you did. Mm. I didn't know. I've gained value. It's not about you've got every, there's no, there's, of course there's going to be overlap. I learn from new salespeople who I bump into because they've got a different outlook on the world as it is today. And they're not blinkered by the history that I've had. You know, having experience and history and done things before is good, but it's also bad because it sets your own internal clock to think, well, therefore that before experience told me what the answer is. So I've already got the answer for this new experience. Maybe, but that was a different time, different place, different company, different scenario. It gives you context. doesn't mean you're right. Someone else who's got no experience might have a better idea. So I'm always looking for that. You can learn from people around you. They've all been on a different journey. They've all come through a different experience and they'll have insights that you won't have. It doesn't mean you're right. doesn't mean they're right, but it's worth listening to. So I'm constantly today still learning and I'm going through some sales coaching at the moment that my team's also going through from a coach that we hadn't come across. So we absolutely, I value bringing in external people like yourself, Paul, of, because, and people have said to me, well, you, you, why do you need them? Because you've done it yourself. You just teach them yourself. I don't know what I don't know. My right. context yeah, yeah. is my world, right? You have the opportunity and value of engaging with different companies in different industries, in different regions, who've had different experiences and getting more insight and a wider base than I have to be able to say, what about these five ideas here that you've never come across in? Not because you've done wrong, not because, but just because you've never come across them. You know, that's why I've got an external coaching right now. And I'm learning stuff that, do you know what? And 30 years of sales. Yeah. I've been programmed on Bant, Scotsman, all the usual stuff. And it's disrupting my thought pattern to today's world. You can do things differently. Great. Let's change. You know, Ian, when you think about your, uh, your career as a consultant and speaker, Oftentimes when I'll come home after, you know, a, a training event or something, my wife will ask me, you know, how was your day and how did it go? And immediately I will go to, oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do this or I, I spent mm-hmm. too much time here. Uh, are you like that? Are you like me as well? Are, are you your worst own critic as well? Yeah. Every time I speak at an event, I'll prepare over, prepare, 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 prepare. I'll be nervous before going on, even though I've spoken a, a ton of times before and I'll know the subject. Um, and I'll have intentions of all the phrase it this way or tell this story or anecdote from this morning's news and relate it. And I won't, even down to, I won't necessarily phrase it how it was in my head beforehand when I do it live. I think, oh, I missed that. I wanted to use that word. And I wanted to phrase it that way because it was more clique. It, it would have come across better. So yeah, uh, uh, but I think that's good because it makes you, it doesn't mean you've done wrong. It just right. means you'll continually improve. Um, and you care about it. I think it, the big thing for me, it means you care. If a salesperson comes back to me from a prospect says, yeah, I could have done that better. And we, and we debrief. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Because if you go, no, it went good. No, come back saying, I wish I'd done this. I, there was three questions. Or Ian, this is what I, and what, I, what, what, what do you think I missed? Because, because you've got a different viewpoint and, and I was blinking because I was there. Well, did you ask this? Oh, I didn't know. And it's not, 
I'm catching them out. It's not they're at fault. It's there's an opportunity, A, to learn. B, go back to that prospect client. I, I'm going through my notes. It was great meeting you yesterday. There's two or three questions in, in reviewing this that I'd like to come back and, uh, and just ask you on the phone if that's okay. No one's going to say, well, no, you had your chance. You should have asked them in the meeting. That's incredibly professional to do because you're showing humility and the fact you actually care to review afterwards and then go back. And I think that's a value that most salespeople don't do that in my experience. Well, Ian, I've enjoyed this conversation thus far. I have one more question for you. Sure. If, if somebody came to you looking for some advice, uh, whether they are brand new in their career or you know midstream, uh, any advice for anybody that you can think of that you might say to somebody? Yeah, headline ones, because it, it, it becomes specific to an individual. Guys, right? I, I would be keep learning. No matter what you think you know, no matter how experienced you think you are, keep learning. Read something new. Listen to a podcast. There is so much information out there. And so, there is so much opportunity to gain insight from other people's experiences um, today so easily. You know, with things like podcasts, you can listen to on the trailer. You couldn't do that before, right? right. Um, you yeah. can listen to stuff while you're driving. You can make use of time that is dead time. I do calls from the car all the time on the drive, you know, drive times. That is what calls, obviously ones you don't need to make notes on, but if it's an interview or you need to talk to a recruiter about hiring someone, brief them, that's all coming out of your head. I can do that in the Make use of that dead time for learning, or doing things that you don't need to be sat at your desk for. Because you can gain so many hours. I gain so many hours a week, a month, over any competitor who is just working the normal hours. Mm -hmm. And that adds up. And I've always I've always lived that mantra. If I can gain a month a year through an hour here and there, I've got 13 months every year. Even if I'm no better than you, I'll do better because I'm doing one month extra. You know, Ian, I love it. Uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And on that note, I think we'll wrap this one up right now. Great. So, Ian, thanks again for being here. I appreciate it, everybody, for listening. Uh, remember, your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here, and uh, we'll see you next week.